Hello and welcome to Gentle Touch. This podcast is a place where people can learn, discover and upscale mentally, spiritually and emotionally. This show is all about breakthroughs so get ready for some good vibes, realness and lots of information. You will be joined by me, your podcast host Alejandra Castro. Some of the shows will be just me and other shows will have guests open up new perspectives and views. My passion is to inspire and educate people who feel stuck. I will show you ways you can improve your overall health by sharing powerful tools that you can implement into your daily life. Let's get started. In today's episode, we have Rachel. She is a trauma-informed and empowerment coach. How are you, Rachel? I'm good. How are you doing? I'm good, darling. Where do you join us from? I am in Austin, Texas. Nice. Yeah. Rachel, tell me about your journey. Yeah. What do you, what do you want to know? I want to know it all, girl. You want to know it all. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I I gotta, I gotta, you know, keep some secrets, you know, keep it sexy. Um, but I, I grew up, um, I moved around essentially like eight times before I was nine years old. But once we landed in, in Carmel, Indiana, I, that's when, where I grew up and growing up, I was there, I was in Indiana for like 18 years and I really never felt like Indiana was home. Okay. And so there was a part of me that was like searching for like, there's gotta be something more. There's gotta be something more to just like this kind of suburban, like, you know, people who are focused, not, not necessarily like a bad thing, but focused on things that just for me didn't really matter. Like what type of car you were driving or what type of clothes you were wearing. I was like, there's gotta be something more to life than just like a nine to five job. I saw how my parents were, they worked so hard And I saw how it stressed them the fuck out. And I was just like, none of this makes sense. I don't like, I don't want to subscribe to any of this. And so I was definitely like, quote unquote, the black sheep of the family, like free spirit. I would go out to, um, and then when I went to college, I went to Indiana University, started drinking like every night of the week to blackouts, like started doing drugs and just was really in a spot in my life where I knew something was, I knew something was wrong, but I just saw how everyone else was living their life and everyone else was getting black the fuck out and, and doing all of these things. But, and I was doing it too, but I was like so unhappy and battling with depression, you know, on and off for most of my life. I, uh, summers during college, I would go out and work on these guest ranches and I was a wrangler and I would teach people how to ride horses and take them mountain biking and hiking. And that was when I really felt it was like the first time that I felt joy and peace and like because I was connected to nature and but I was still very disconnected from myself and so after college I moved out to Colorado started working on another guest ranch as a wrangler ended up 
fracturing my spine, um, five hours deep in a national forest. And that was like the first time I fractured my spine. <laughs> how, how was that? Oh, it was, it was hell. It was, it was, I mean, it was so painful and I had so much shame, like unprocessed shame. And so I literally had them put me back on the horse. We were five hours deep in the national forest. So then I was put back on the horse. They took me back. I drove myself the next day to a walk-in clinic, which was a three-hour drive. Like, we were in the middle of nowhere. Oh, my God. And you <laughs> like that? Is that what you enjoy, Rachel? I will. It, like, looking back on my life, there was so many series of events where I just did not ask for help. I did not ask. I didn't, like, really looking back, it was because I, I felt like I was such a burden to to like, it was such a burden for me to ask for help or ask for support. So I definitely was like Lone Ranger, had a lot of shame, like didn't really, you know, didn't really want to, I don't think be in my body. Cause looking back, there were so many times in my life where I had so many injuries and car accidents and seizures from two different drug overdoses. So there was, there was a lot of things that looking back, my spirit was like, I don't want to be here. And so there was at the same time, such a yearning for like, who am I? I had this like, this drive, insatiable drive within me being like, who am I and why am I on this planet? And so I was out in Breckenridge, Colorado um, I was there for a several, I was there for like four and a half, four years. And then I left and I went backpacking. I actually got fired from a job, went backpacking around the world, trying to find myself, you know, and I looked everywhere for myself. I looked everywhere except for inside, you know, and, and looking back, it's, you know, it's, it, it was all a part of the journey of like, seeing that I went across the world by myself, living out of a backpack to all of these places, trying to find myself when in actuality it was like, holy shit, I am right here. But it took me a really fucking long time to find that. I stopped backpacking after two years. I moved to Los Angeles. Two years? Two years. <laughs> how, how, how was you able to afford it? I would, what I would do is like, I literally would spend less than a thousand dollars a month. Like I was living pretty, it was like, sometimes I would spend like $200 a month. So I would like work for a little bit and then I would travel and then, or I would work on these like farms in Southeast Asia and like spend like a month or two there. And you're like, I mean, it was barely nothing to stay there. Cause you're also working as well. So um, yeah, and but all of those places that I went to, I was kind of trying to, I know that my soul was actually calling in, um, just really trying to figure out what spirituality was because I went to a Buddhist, um, a Buddhist meditation retreat for two weeks just to learn about Buddhism and what meditation was. And that was kind of my first, uh, that was my first experience with, 
um, meditation and, um, and then I sat with like ayahuasca. I was in Peru for four months and I sat with ayahuasca three different times, but I was so not ready to receive what the medicine. How, How did you find it? Well, at the time I have gone back and done it, but at the time I think ayahuasca was like, no bitch, <laughs> like you are not ready. You have not done the work to really allow the messages that, that need to come through to come through. So I did it twice and nothing happened. Ayahuasca strong. Nothing happened literally. And people were having like these crazy experiences. And I, somebody was like, at, at the end of one of the ceremonies, someone was like, did you like feel anything? Like I looked over a couple times and you were just so still. And I was like, Oh yeah, it was a crazy experience. But like, I hadn't, like, I was so embarrassed that nothing had happened, but I didn't share that with anyone. Um, and then the third time, <laughs> the third time I went and I had this, I was two cups deep and then I had this like sort of dragon like figure. It was more of like a spirit come over me, just letting me know that everything was going to be okay. And then I went up to go get a third cup and I was like, holy shit, I, ha I got to go to the bathroom like yesterday. <laughs> and so I started to go to the bathroom, but I um, did not make it. I passed out and then I shit my pants. <laughs> and so it was quite the experience because I had borrowed the shaman's wife's all white outfit because I didn't have it. <laughs> and girl, let me tell you, it was not white after that. <laughs> and so I really, looking back, I really feel like the spirit of ayahuasca was like, girl, you are not ready. And it really shut my, my body down. So that way I wouldn't be able to take that third cup, you know, because who knows what would have happened if I drank the third cup. Um, the, yeah. your body, your body will always tell you and say, for example, with me, um, I was in a, it was mostly, the thing is with this, I have respect for this because you have to respect it and it's not a joke. So say with me, it was more like a partying scene and then they brought mushrooms and, and they did a ceremony, but I wasn't able to attend it because we got there later on and I had never done anything like it. And then we also did rapé as well. And with rapé and mushrooms, like mm -mm, it was a bad trip. And with rapé, I felt as if I was floating. Like mm. I felt like my soul was floating and I was just very scared. Yeah. So, so if you're not ready, don't rush it. Don't push it and just have respect for it and do it in the ceremony. Don't do it because some people do it as a party drug or whatnot. So it's just knowing that you need to be in the right environment. Rachel, with regards to your, you had a car crash while you was high on cocaine. Yeah. And that was that was one of the times that that I was living in Breckenridge and it was one of the times that I it was one of the times that I just so what looking back on everything yeah. it was one of those experiences where I was so disconnected from myself and my body that really my soul was I just what I just don't think that I really wanted to like truly be here, 
you know, because I was so disconnected from everything. And I think there was like a subconscious belief of, of, you know, just being so disconnected from myself, from reality that, um, it would manifest in these massive, um, accidents that were like, Hey, hello, you know, like the trying to wake me up to myself. Yeah. A hundred percent because they're very life threatening. If, if in a car crash in, um, on the horse where you fracture just like it's not a joke if you do one a bit of pressure in the on the wrong point or damage on the wrong point you could end up in a wheelchair unable to walk so it's completely oh, sure yeah. or dead you know or i could have killed someone like you know it, it's just um and luckily luckily i'm healthy luckily like my body is so resilient luckily nothing terrible happened I mean, but it was, it was pretty, um, yeah, that, that was definitely a a time in my life where I look back and I'm just like, oh, honey, like, I wish I could just go back. And I, and I do that. Some of the work that I do, um, you know, with myself, with my clients is really like going back to these past versions of ourselves and loving all of our parts. Right. Because that, that part of me, that got into the car who was high on cocaine and mushrooms and like wasted that part was just like looking for so much love that she wasn't receiving from herself. And so I get to like go back and actually love that part of me that felt like I didn't want to necessarily be here. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. Rachel, how important is awareness? Awareness is the most important I think awareness, well, awareness is the most important step one, right? Without awareness, we are not, we are not going to, we are not going to be able to change, right? Awareness and being conscious in our life, that is the step one. And that is the the very first thing that you need in order to change your life situation. And then the next step is action, right? Because awareness without action is just being aware. But if you're not going to change and if you're not going to put action steps to what you want your life to look like or what you want to create in your life, then there won't be any change, right? But awareness is 100% the very first most important uh, first step in the healing journey or the journey just coming back to your capital S self. You know, that is... It's very important, yeah. And say, for example, vision, like the the vision to be able to get out of our situation or to find the answers or to tap into our curiosity. How important is vision? Vision is vision is so important. Vision is very important. I um after I went to Peru, I decided that I was going to stop. Um, that I was going to stop backpacking around the world. And so I went to Los Angeles and I started doing stand-up comedy and I absolutely fell in love with it. I opened up a little comedy spot during the day. We would do open mics and then at night we would run shows. And it really brought this like sense of community to the stand-up comedy world that felt really, really good for comedians who were um, coming up. And, and, 
I literally have never been able to create something so fucking fast in my life. And it was because I had this vision and I look back and I'm like, how was I able to like jump into the comedy game so fucking quickly and to create so much success in such a short amount of time. And I realized it was because I had no identity. I had I, my identity like was essentially, I hadn't built up what my percept, what I thought others had perceived of me. Right. Because that's our identity that we hold on to and we cling to so dearly. And so when we have these strong identities, then it's harder to create a new vision. Right. And that's actually been something my journey after when COVID hit, I shut down my club. I went on this whole inward journey of, well, who am I and who is the person holding up these masks that I I had built up such a strong identity of a comedian of a, um, you know, like some of the comedians call me mother comics of a businesswoman of all of these aspects of myself. But I really had to, that was actually part, COVID was part of my waking up process. That was when I woke up to like, holy shit, well, who is the person holding up the mask? Who is the one behind it? And that actually the breaking down and the losing of all of my identities and also my grandparents passed away within six weeks. So all of this stuff happened, all of these events happened within six weeks of each other. And it was really this, all of a sudden, my identities had crumbled. And it, I mean, it was not easy. You know, the ego clings to identity. And so it's so challenging when you lose identities, but it was actually the best thing that had ever happened to me because then that's what really started me on my whole healing journey and, and really looking at all of these parts of myself and really like looking at, okay, well, why, why have I been drinking so much? Why do I smoke so much? Like, why do I always gravitate towards the drugs? Why can't I just stop at the glass of wine? Why do I always, why do I always find myself doing a line of Coke? Why do I always find an excuse to, to hang out with the people that, that are always doing it? Why, you know, there's so many things that come into it. Um, but I was going to ask you when you was in Peru, how did you know out of anything in the world you could do that it was going to be stand up comedy and why LA? Like, did you always want this as a child or was you just like, I'm going? No, I actually had no idea. Like I went, so I, so I had some friends from college that lived in LA. Um, LA okay. And I had always been a very outgoing loud, um, you know, just like funny kid. I was like a class clown and a lot of like, um, just growing up, I was definitely like the clown of my family and I loved making people laugh, but I actually didn't even know that stand up was a thing. Like I knew it was a thing, but it wasn't really in my field. And I went to LA and the first night I was there, my friend John took me to the world famous comedy store, which is like the best comedy club in the world. And I saw like all of these comedians, David Spade, Sebastian Maniscalco, um, and Jeremiah Watkins. I saw Joe Rogan that night 
And I was just like, what? People do this for a living? Like, it really was a big, like, holy shit moment for me because I didn't even realize that I knew it was a thing, but I didn't, it just, I wasn't exposed to it growing up. And so that night I was so drawn to the comedians and like, I was so, it just lit this thing, this fire inside of me of like, holy shit. And I started going to the world famous comedy store a couple times a week, just by myself sitting in the back. Like nobody knew me. Like I was by myself. Like, what would you do? Would you just buy a drink and just chill or, or like, what would it, what did that look yeah. like to you? Okay. I would just sit and watch and observe and like really just be like taking in. Like I just was so fascinated. I was so fascinated. I was so curious and I loved laughing. I love Laughing, I think, is like the the best feeling in the world. And then to make people laugh, like to get somebody to laugh, that's like an even better feeling than laughing. And so that's what really, um, yeah, I got so drawn in. And then, and then six months um, went by, and I really wanted to do, um, I really wanted to do an open mic. And then finally, I actually started kind of dating this one guy who was a comedian and I went to an open mic with him and I was sitting there and I was like, he's not even that funny. Like, and so that actually, but he, you know, he was doing it. He actually had the guts to like, the, com the confidence, the courage, the yes. discipline, even if it means practicing at home, then, then showing up there and just putting it out there to the world. Totally. And so I was like watching him and even just seeing how I was like, well, he's got confidence. Like the fact that he's doing this, this takes a lot of courage. And so finally I like sat down with another friend who had also been in the open mic comedy scene and she was doing shows and she helped me write my first five minute set. And so I was practicing for like a whole week and then I was like, okay, I'm going to do this open mic on this day. And like maybe an hour before I was like, I fucking hate the set. And I rewrote a completely different set. And I went and I got some laughs and people like came up to me and they're like, Hey, you're new. And I was like, yeah, that was my first set. And they were like, holy shit. Like you need to start doing this. Like, like I, I'm actually shocked that that was your first set. And so I kind of like got the hit. Like after I got a few people to laugh, I was like, you know what? Fuck it. Like, and I was all in, like I was so all in that moment. How yeah. Rachel in this moment. So you had just finished backpacking. What did your finances look like? Was you able to work on the side? Like what did that look like for you in LA? Because LA is expensive. Oh yeah. LA is super fucking expensive. I remember I was very, um, yeah, I went to LA with like hardly any money. Um, I went, I, I started working right away. I had like all these odds, odd jobs. I did like extra work. And then finally I got a landed, um, a restaurant gig as a server. that was like pretty consistent. And that really helped. Okay. That just like helped, you know, when you, it's, it, it brings in the stability, the money to be able oh, to maintain, maintain yourself. And it gives you a sense of routine. So we were the evenings, we get to practice days off, we get to do this. So it, it gives, yeah, it helps. 
Yeah. And, and without that stability, without creating that stability in your life, then it's really hard to be creative. And so it's so, um, yeah, that was really important. And then I ended up getting fired from my restaurant job, which was also, it was conflicting because I had, I had started, I mean, I was doing like, I went full on in, like I was doing four or five open mics a day and night. And then I started. What does that even mean? How how long does an open mic last? Um, an hour or two. So, I mean, I was like spending. You were there full time. Oh, I was spending like seven, eight, nine hours a day doing stand up. Like not on stage, but you was in the environment. Yeah. Like wait. And then the other time I was like thinking of jokes and, and just writing and, and like, I would just start to write down anything funny. And then I ended up getting fired from my serving job. And I was like, fuck being a server. I'm going all in and I'm going to, I'm going to open up this spot. And I actually borrowed $10,000 from my younger sister. And, and then I opened up, um, it was a spot called Bert's back room. And then, um, it, it took off and I was able to like pay her back very quickly. And, and then I was like, okay, this is, this is perfect. I got to like set myself up because I get to practice, you know, comedy and just be on stage as much as possible. And then also run my own shows and bring in comedians. And, um, it was, it was, it was good. Rachel, how did you know what you was doing? Like, how did you know the business side? How did you know? I didn't. I literally like just dove in head first and I was like, I'm going to fucking figure this out as I go. And it was like, I'm sure a lot of it was like, I was running probably like some illegal shit, like not in like a, and not on purpose, but But naive. You just didn't have the information or the knowledge to know this is how it's done. You need these documents in line. This is totally. And so I, I, I just figured it out as I went and and that is like the most important thing is like you don't have to know how to do shit. You get to like just allow you get to figure out the vision for your life and then practice every day of just showing up and taking one step forward every day towards the vision that you want to create. Wow, that's so powerful and beautiful the way you said it because sometimes we get stuck on but we don't have a b c plan we don't know if it's going to work but it's just allowing ourselves to surrender to trust the process to give ourselves that confidence to learn to explore to be curious to follow our intuition because sometimes we get stuck on a nine to five because of disabilities sometimes we get stuck on um I know so many people that get stuck on their job for the past 10, 15, 20 years because of the pension and because of the benefits they have. So it's just allowing ourselves that time and that room. Um, Rachel, how how important is healing your past? I think, um, I think that for me, the biggest thing when I got into when I transitioned into being a coach, I spent a really long time working with coaches. I I went into a program with some of the best coaches in the world. And I was in a container for a long time where I was being coached 15 hours a week, like 10 to 15 hours a week, which is a shit ton of coaching. And then I was also coaching people 10 to 15 hours a week. That's full time then. 
Oh, full time. Again, I went full on into coaching when I like really started to wake up and, and I, I got into, um, like Christine Hassler's work, which led me to Elementum, which is like an incredible coaching institute created by the four best coaches in the world. Like my personal opinion. Um, but I went full on into like my own healing journey. And I don't think we are ever like quote unquote healed, but I think it's so important to go have containers, safe containers where you have someone who is an empathetic witness, Mm -hmm. right? Somebody who, who is just holding up a, a mirror for you and, and just allow being, having them be your guide into your past and really having somebody walk you through like some inner child work, parts work, right? Because the facts are we have over 60,000 thoughts a day and all of these thoughts, 95% of them are unconscious. And so your thoughts create your beliefs, which create your reality. So again, like really taking a look and pausing and saying, okay, well, what does my reality look like? What does my external environment look like? What have I created? Because whatever you are creating, guess what? Guess where it's coming from? It is coming from the, that 95% of your subconscious mind, right? So if your subconscious mind has all of these negative belief systems and paradigms from childhood, because when from zero to seven, we are sponges. We are literally sucking up information. We are, and we are egocentric centric. So we are making everything mean something about us. So from zero to seven, we are in a theta brainwave state. We are being hypnotized and that is what is going on and creating our subconscious mind. Right. And so if things are happening or if somebody says something and we have these big T and little T traumas and that is what is running our our system. Right. If that is our paradigm and our beliefs that are just running in the background that is creating our reality, then we've got to go back and look at the past and see what is in there? What is in the subconscious mind? What happened to us? And and really go back and heal the past yeah. so that you can show up the way that you want to show up and create the life that you want, right? Because if you continuously create from the past yeah. and create from these negative belief systems that are not serving you, then your external environment is going to reflect that. Yeah, so that's so hard. So in- Yeah. So that's why it's so important to go back and to do things like inner child work and parts work and really get super clear on, okay, well, what, what do I believe? What are some of these unconscious programs that are running my life and creating my reality? Yeah, this is so powerful and it is needed. And we hear about it, but not a lot of us practice it does that make sense we hear like whispers about it inner child work and this and that but we have to consciously make the decision we're going to do this i saw one of your posts is it somatic release and one of the videos is um a young lady she's crying and you're holding that space for her tell me about that 
Yeah. And so, so a lot of, with my clients, I, I do one thing that I do with all of my clients is breath work. And what's so beautiful about breath work is breath is, is the, you know, an action that you can do consciously yeah. and unconsciously. It's the only action. Right? I pass out like during breath work. I just pass and, out. Yeah. And so that, um, well, and if, if, you know, that is something that we could go into of, of maybe when maybe there is something there for you of, of something that you don't necessarily are not ready to look at, right. With like no judgment, but just love and compassion. But it's like, okay, well, what are you avoiding? Right. Yeah. Cause there's something that your body is like, no, 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 no. Like maybe I don't want to feel that maybe it's too painful to go back somewhere. Right. Um, but breath, like, just like your heartbeat, you can't consciously make your heartbeat. Yeah. It's, it's something that is just happening. Mm -hmm. It's an unconscious behavior, but breath is the only thing that you can do consciously and unconsciously. So it's the bridge between the conscious mind and the unconscious mind. And what's so powerful about breath work is you get to use the breath. And, and this is, I, it's something so powerful that I do with all my clients because you use the breath to release old stuck energy in the body, right? And being a somatic coach, you know, I work with the mind. That is your mindset is so important. However, your body keeps the score. Your body is yeah. a living library of every t big T and little T trauma that has ever happened to you. So if your body is in a contracted state, you are going to not be open to new ideas and to change the mindset, right? So we've got, to, we get to use the breath and, and the breathwork modality that I use is somatic breathwork. Okay. And it's really about using the breath to release old stuck energy. And then the second half is all about regulating your nervous system and really um, repatterning things. But it's so important to release and create space and release old stuck energy that is just no longer serving you, right? Because we walk around so fucking tight. So many of us are just in this really tight, contracted yeah. state. And we have suppressed so much energy and emotion inside of us because we were told it was not okay to express emotion. When in actuality, like... We need to be able to express yeah. express emotion in order to be creative and to be in these higher states. Because if we are are suppressing sadness or anger or whatever it is, then we're using so much energy on suppressing emotion and then we don't have energy to create. We don't have energy to be in the present moment because we're using all of that energy to suppress. When really it's like, expression is the most beautiful thing on earth. Like we want to be able to express, we want to be able to allow energy just to move through us instead of just being so fucking tight all the time. Wow. That's for the person that has never been to breath work. What can they expect? Yeah. I mean, there's so many different types of breath work out there and there's just so many different types. Um, so with the breath work modality, um, somatic breath work that I, I am trained in, you know, we do, we do very like deep breaths in and out through the mouth. And essentially we're, we're upregulating our nervous system. When you breathe in and out through the mouth, 
this upregulates your nervous system. And so this puts us in a sympathetic state, right? Flight or fight. And a lot of times when you are in flight or fight, this is when the energy gets stored into your body. When there's like, when your body is stressed, instead of releasing, we, we suppress it. And so we're upregulating the nervous system so that energy that was stuck when the nervous system was upregulated, then it gets to be released in however the body wants to express it. And there's, it's so powerful to um, hold space for people because that expression looks like anger. It looks like crying. It sometimes looks like laughter. It, it sometimes looks like sensual expression. Sometimes it's like absolute fucking rage. Whatever it looks like, it's just energy that wants to be expressed through you. And it's all welcomed, right? There is no bad or, or good emotions. It's just energy that's wanting to move through you. And then after we upregulate the nervous system, then we start to breathe in and in through the nose, out through the nose, or in through the nose, out through the mouth, whichever. And that uh, brings your, you down into a parasympathetic state. So rest and digest. And this is when we really start to repattern. And, and we, so we clear out for the first half. And then we, it's like, then we repattern. What do you want to bring back in? What do you want to put in its place? Um, and that's when we start to really be able to be the creators of our own reality and not create from a place of trauma or these like old paradigms that are no longer serving you, but really create from this, open space of like from your conscious self of like okay I am the creator of my reality and I'm not going to allow the past to create my future I'm going to start creating that right here right now in the present moment so it's pretty fucking powerful very powerful and healing is a it's very hard but it's such a beautiful process because at the end of at the end of it, we have freedom, freedom to recreate our goals, our visions, the paths we want to make, what what we want to do now, our actions, we have the choice to either repeat it or just completely do a U-turn 360 and just grow in a way that is beautiful and benefits the whole wide world because any action has a reaction and in society we cause a ripple effect, whether it be for the positive or the negative. So healing is so, so powerful. Um, Rachel, yes. Rachel, what is your favorite book? I don't know. Oh, you know what? I do know. Do you? <laughs> um, one of my best friends wrote my favorite book in the entire world. It's uh, it's called The Lion Tracker's Guide to Life. It's by Boyd Barty. And I was really, I felt pretty stuck at a time in my life. And he gave me this book and I sat on it for a while and I didn't read it. Yeah. And then I finally read it and I was like, holy shit, this is one of the best books I've ever ever read he's a lion tracker um from south africa and he really brings in um spirituality and um and coaching uh into a story about him tracking some lions and it's in it's absolutely incredible and it's a short easy read and it's one of the best books i've ever written beautiful yeah yeah because it just goes to show how we can bring everything together, the intuition, the spirituality, the lessons, the healing, and just combine it in a way that is presented to the reader and we can take our take on that. Um, out of all the courses you have done, what has been the most life-changing? 
Yeah. Um, I, I've taken, I mean, now I've taken so many different coaching courses and certifications, but I would have to say, um, my coaching course Elementum with, uh, Alexi Panos, Preston Smiles, Christine Hassler and Stephanos. Absolutely incredible. Yeah. We dove into very deep modalities. And one of the things that I loved so much about their approach to coaching, because so many times coaches just work on the mindset when it's like, you can work on the mindset as much as you want, but the body keeps the score. Yeah. So, so many times coaches work from the top down approach, right? Mind and then, but this is working from the bottom up approach and really working with the body before diving into switching paradigms and, and, and being able to use both is so fucking powerful because that's when lasting change happens, when you work with the body first and yeah. then do the mindset work. And that's what all of my work is essentially based on, really working with moving energy from the body, working on regulating the nervous system, and then um, and doing like inner child work and really clearing out old things and creating the best relationship to you and all of yeah. your parts and your inner child's. Um, and then, you know, working with mindset. I love it. I love it because yeah. sometimes we want to do the pretty stuff and it's like, but if we do the pretty stuff, we haven't reached a foundation that we have to adjust and change and uncover and discover. So it's just knowing that by you having had that course and that training, it gives people a chance to relook things because sometimes we, we, we spend years in, in therapy and training and we're like, but I feel like there's something missing. So it's just knowing that there's so many ways to do it. Rachel, tell me about if you had a billboard on the side of the highway, what would it say? Mm, that's a great question. I would say love yourself exactly the way you are, right? Because if, if we are trying to... If we're trying to change, we can't do any, we can't actually change unless we accept exactly where we're at right now. It's kind of like a roadmap. Yeah. You don't know where to go unless you already know where you are. And so once we can really love and accept ourselves fully exactly where we are, then, then we can really allow ourselves to create the vision to where we want to go. But and not but, and we get to love ourselves exactly where we are because it wherever you are, that's exactly where you need to be in this moment, right? And so really just allowing yourself to love yourself for every everything that you are holding, everything that you've created, everything that you've been through. All of that has created this incredible being and you get to celebrate that no matter what stage in your journey where you're at, you get to celebrate and you get to love yourself in all fucking stages because you are love. And that is like the only truth of this universe is that we are all love. And sometimes we forget that. And so I would want people to remember that. Yeah. So, so nicely put, tell me about your Instagram, your socials and your services. Yeah. So, um, my Instagram is just my name at Rachel Cuthbert and, um, and then I also do in-person sessions here in Austin, Texas, but most of my clients are all around the world. So it's through zoom, which is still just as powerful. 
Um, and I do, um, I have, I offer three month containers, six month containers, and I take my clients on in a program called embodied love. And this is a one-on-one -on -one program where we, we do all of these modalities, right? We do, I, I guide them through breath work. We do parts work, which, you know, you come into this world, this whole complete, beautiful being full of love, confidence, connection, curiosity. And then over time, big T and little T traumas happen to us. And then these parts are formed in that moment when the trauma happens. And so these parts get frozen in that time. And then and then the, all of the parts are still within us. Right. And so then when certain things happen in our life, certain parts are, parts are activated, and then we're actually not re, we're not responding from our capital S self. We are reacting from these parts that are stuck in the past. Yeah. And so I work with my clients on updating these parts and loving these parts and working with these parts so that they can really come home to their capital S self and respond and create from that space instead of the past. And then we do a lot of um, somatic work and really mind-body connection. And um, and it's just a full-on beautiful journey of, of looking at the depths, look, doing a lot of shadow work um, to clear out just old things that are no longer serving them so that they can really show up in the way that they want to show up and create from a place that they want to create from. Um, I really am so passionate about people creating the best relationships with themselves and all of their parts and their inner child, because that is like what self-love is, right? It's loving all of your parts and not just the parts that get you love and attention, but it's loving the parts of you that you're like, oh, I don't want anyone to see this part. I'm so ashamed of this part, whatever it is. That's what real self-love is. It's, it's about like, okay, you know, maybe I, maybe I don't like this part, but I get to go in and learn about this part and understand because a lot of these parts are so fucking intelligent and they're actually just protecting us from mm -hmm certain, you know, they're just protecting and they're actually so intelligent. So we get to learn about ourselves and really go into the shadow and the depths of who we are. Um, and that's the program that I take them through. That's the first three months. And then the next three months is the integration and really like creating the life that you want. Um, but we can't do that if we still are holding on to all of these beliefs yeah. and paradigms from the past. Um, and so that's one-on-one. -on -one. I also hold private breathwork journeys. And then I also do public, um, I hold breathwork ceremonies here in Austin okay. at various, uh, yoga studios and then out of my house too. Nice. Beautiful. Yeah. I think it's so inspirational, your story, because, because people that are stuck and in, 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 say, for example, in your past version, they look at you so and they're like, wow, you can heal. Wow. We like, it is okay to be sober. Wow. I can come out of my shell. I can come out of the environment I'm in. It is okay to relocate. It is okay 
to travel and explore. It is okay to figure out what I want to do. So I just wanted to say a great big massive thank you. Thank you for coming on Gentle Touch. Thank you for being so open as well because sometimes it takes an element of healing and an, and an element of forgiveness to be able to come out and share our story, right? Especially mm. because it's painful. It's painful. It's trauma. It hurts. Um, and sometimes we try to avoid it. Sometimes we, we try it. Sometimes we have, um, when, when it comes to drug consumption, sometimes we're like, but it's not that much anyways. And then mm. it's like from the weekends, okay, it's not that much. It's only the weekends. And then it's like, okay, then it's one time a week and then it's three times a week. And then it's like this spiral. So I just want to say thank you so much. And to anyone that's going through, through situations where we're numbing, through situations where the drug addiction is, is taking a toll get the help, get the help, be in the right environment, heal, just heal. And if healing, if you're scared of healing, there is support out there. So thank you so mm. much, Rachel. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I, it was so great connecting and talking and seeing you. Oh, you're very welcome, girl. Hope you guys enjoyed this podcast and found this podcast useful. If you did, be sure to leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Thank you for listening and joining Gentle Touch. I'll see you in the next episode. Want to get in touch? Feel free to send me a DM on Instagram. Link is in the description. Be sure to follow and subscribe to this podcast on whatever platform you're on. Stay tuned and keep listening. Much love.